0: Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church Conway. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. Thanks for listening. This last week, I imagine, there were quite a few uh, movies watched. Anybody watch a movie this last week or, you know... Yeah, yeah once, once you got your online school done, and then you got your online work done, uh, probably watched some movies. I think Disney Plus kind of got wore out a little bit in, in a number of homes. Anybody by chance watch uh, an Avengers movie or a Marvel movie. Did anybody watch those? Yeah, those are all loaded up there on the Disney Plus, so you can do that now. We finally finished, or we started to finish The Pirates. Um, We we think uh, Jack Sparrow is hilarious, and so uh, we're watching through those. There are some scary moments, but um, the boys assure me that it's all fake, and um, so we just just keep going through it, you know. Um, But uh, it's fun. We watch those. And the Avengers movies, as you guys know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh there are there's a debate. There's a debate on which order to watch the movies in, right? You're you're aware of this. You could you can either watch them chronologically in the order in which they uh fictionally happened, right? Or you could watch them in the order in which they were released. Uh, if you're going to watch them chronologically, then you would start with Captain America, the First Avenger. I found this list online. I can't confirm nor deny any of this, um, but if you were watching them chronologically, like if they really happened, you would watch Captain America, the First Avenger first. If you were watching them by order of release, then you would watch Iron Man. Iron Man would be the first one that you would watch, which by the way, as I was looking this up this week, do you realize that Iron Man came out in 2008? That's a long time ago. That was a long time ago. And Iron Man came out and then dominated our movie watching for quite a while. That's the debated ones. There's another order that I prefer. And that is, I like these ones. I don't like those ones. Let's just watch these ones. That's sort of the order that I go in. I'm a big fan of the Iron Man movies. Uh, He makes me laugh. Kind of like Jack Sparrow. Um, not a huge fan of Hulk. Don't know why they even made that one. Um, that's horrible. And the Thor ones bore me to tears. But, uh, but that's just my take. Maybe, maybe you like those. And I can, I can hear people right now uh, sort of cringing because you like Thor. Because that's the other thing. It's not only the order of the movies. It's also the identification with the characters in the stories. The, the, the heroes, your, your main basic Avengers, okay, I know that it, it, it keeps expanding every time uh, Marvel wants to make a little bit more money, but the main basic Avengers are Thor, Hulk, Captain America, Iron Man, Hawkeye, and Black Widow. Those are your main ones, alright? Those are your originals. And a lot of us will identify with certain characters there for different reasons. You'll identify with... Anybody here really, really into the Hulk ones? Anybody enjoy those? Alright, it's what I thought. I don't know why they made those. Um... How about Thor? Anybody really like those? Yeah? I can see that. I can see that Skip. I mean, I can see the resemblance right there with, uh, with Skip and Thor. I, I get that. You know, you, you identify with the different characters there for different reasons. Uh, like I said, I find that people identify with the characters for, for different reasons. You can identify just because of the storyline everybody likes an underdog, or everybody likes uh, an outsider, those sort of things you can identify for characteristics, like the way the characters look, those sort of things. As I said, Tony Stark makes me laugh, but, you know, on occasion, people might confuse me for a slightly shorter Chris Evans. You know, Captain America, we look similar. I saw you shake your (laughs) head dramatically over somebody was like, it could happen! Somebody. Here's my point. If you're reading Luke chapter 7, If you read the end of Luke chapter 7 there, starting verse 36, there's these characters in the story, and it's important for us to stop for just a second and ask yourself order and identification questions. In which order would you put the characters? Oftentimes, people will tell a story differently. Have you ever heard a story and then heard somebody else recount the story, and they tell it in a different order? The order has a lot to do with the way that they understood the story and the way that they would understand the order of the characters. You might even say something like, well, they heard a story, but then the story introduced the characters in this way, but because of the, 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 the dialogue or because of the personality or because of the way they identified with one of the characters, then, then they told the story in a different order. And that's helpful. Luke gives us a particular order in which he's going to introduce these characters. And since he wrote it originally, we're going to follow his order. But I think it's important for you, as you are reading the story, there's three main characters. What order would you put them in? There's the woman, there's the host, and there is Jesus. There's also experience in which you would identify with one of the characters. Like I said, if it comes to the Avengers or if it comes to um, Bible stories— We often identify with one of the main characters. Rarely do people ever read a story and always identify with the villain. Hardly ever, everybody always identifies with the hero. Good literature or good fiction will make you conflicted about who you're going to identify with. Have you ever read a book or watched a story where you're like, man, I know he's the bad guy, but I really like that guy. I, I, I kind of, I feel bad for the bad guy. Has that ever happened to you? Or you're watching these stories and you say, um, I know we're supposed to cheer for this guy, but he, he's, a, he's a creep. I don't like the hero in this story. Good literature will bring you in in that way. To be honest, in the Bible stories, and this is something we really have to watch, especially as we're looking at Luke chapter 7, Jesus becomes so familiar that he sinks into the backdrop, that we don't really put as much weight on him as we should. As you read through this story today, it's important for us to sort of ask these questions because what you're going to see is in your daily lives, in your everyday lives, with the relationships that you have, maybe some of the people that are sitting next to you, we struggle with keeping people in the same order, in the right order. And particularly when it comes to Jesus, we struggle with keeping him center or him in the order that he should be in. What we see in this story is that the hero, or in this case, the heroine, teaches us to keep the main person the main person in our lives. And what she finds is peace. Let's pray together, and then we're going to look specifically at these verses and how they might apply to our lives. God, thank you so much for the ability to gather together, whether we're online or in person, God, as you continue to work in and through this church. God, we give you praise. We give you the glory. We, we, we just stand in awe that our church, through your prompting and your generosity, has, has paid for the gospel of Luke to be translated into everyday Hindi. God, so, so we pray right now. Not only that that accomplishment, that we wouldn't see that accomplishment as the finish line, but just the start, God. That in a few years, we would look up and 66 books have been translated into other languages that we know that people are going to hear your gospel message and, and come to know you as their Savior. God, we give you glory and we give you honor in that. God, whether it's this Luke translation, if it's relationships in our dorm, our workplace, God, in our homes, God, I pray that we would walk out of here with a renewed sense of keeping you the main priority, of making Jesus the main thing. So, God, be with us and give us the strength to do just that. It's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Luke 7:36 through 50. It's going to be on the board behind me. You read along in the, in the Bible that you have there in your lap. If you don't have a Bible, let me just stop and encourage you in this way. There's an app called the Bible app. It, it looks like a little brown Bible. It's by a, a group called Uversion. I love that thing. I, in fact, I'm reading from that right now. And if you're not familiar with different Bible translations, there's one that's called the CSB. That's the one that I use and I would encourage you to use the same. But there's other good ones. ESV is another good one as well. Here's what the Bible says. Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with them. He entered the Pharisee's house, that's Jesus, he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Okay, I know we grew up in a time of lazy boys. Jesus is not in a lazy boy um, when he reclines at the table. Their tables were low to the ground. They didn't sit in chairs. Their tables were loaded to the ground. And they would lean on one arm and then put their legs. Y'all seen the painting of the, um, of the Last Supper? Y'all seen that, that painting? Where everybody's sitting on one side of the table inexplicably. But y'all seen that? It was nothing like that. All right? Nothing like that. Not in reality. Not in, not in the Last Supper. Not in this house. All right? So, he reclined at the table. And a woman in the town, who was a sinner, found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, this is in his mind, right? He thinks to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, if he were really a prophet, like people think he is, He would know who and what kind of woman this is, who is touching him. She is a sinner. That's what he thought in his mind. Extremely arrogant, dismissive, rude. And Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he said, say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. All right, what is a denarii and how much is it worth? It doesn't really matter. The point is one owed a ton, And one owed, you know, a lot, but not as much. And since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them loved him more? The one who owed 500 or the one that owed 50? And Simon answered, well, I I mean, I suppose the one who, who forgave more. Jesus says, you have judged correctly, he told them. And turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Listen to the the timing, past, present, future tense of that word. Her many sins have been forgiven, and that's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. When we read a story like this in the Bible, one of the things that we have to acknowledge is that there is a lot of culture in the story. In fact, I would go as far as to say some of it's awkward, All right. Some of it makes me a little uncomfortable. Maybe not you, you're super mature, but just the idea of some woman that Jesus does not know kissing his feet really sort of sets me back for a second. I'm just like, I'm not sure. That's weird, okay? That's just the way that I read it. But there's a ton of culture in there as well. This whole business about Jesus walking into somebody's house and saying, hey, um, you didn't even kiss me when I walked in here today. I mean, could you imagine? Guys, If you walked into another dude's house and you're sitting there for a few seconds and he says, what's wrong? And you say, "Uh, you just didn't even kiss me when I walked in just a minute ago, you know? Would anybody do that? No, you wouldn't do that. It's weird. It's awkward. The whole reclining at the table situation. Anointing my head with oil. Again, if you walked in somewhere and somebody just walks up to you and puts oil on your head, you'd be like, what are you doing? Back up off of me, right? Is this olive oil? What are you, you know? There's just a weirdness to so much of this story. A lot of it. They talk about coinage, the denarii. 500 denarii and 50 denarii. And what's an alabaster jar? And why is there perfume in an alabaster jar? All of that, when we read the story, is confusing. It's conflicting, and some of it's just awkward. All I want to say right now to you is this. There are answers to all of that. There are deep theological meanings that are put into all of that. But for this morning, I think it's just helpful for us just to acknowledge that some of the story is not just our culture. Let's just acknowledge and then set it off to the side. I'll walk you through all of the pieces that we need to know, but all I'm saying is don't get hung up on the fact that some strange woman is kissing Jesus' feet or that Jesus is upset that there was no oil put on his head when he walked in and that they're reclining at the table. Largely, this is a dinner party. As I said, I want to look through the characters the way that Luke introduces them. Y'all heard the story, so let's just go through there. The first one is the host. And this guy's pretty important, right? Some of the things that we can just grab from the story is that he's hosting a large dinner party, okay? So there are guests there. There's a number of guests. We see that down towards the end when it says, and some of those who were sitting at the table with him started to talk amongst themselves. He's a Pharisee, which means that he's a very important community and religious leader at the time. To have a large dinner party, he would have had to have a large house. He would have been able to afford food and wine for his guest. This is a huge deal, and keep this in mind, Jesus is at this host party. All right? And there's nothing in the story that would make us believe that this host thinks that Jesus is the son of the living God, that he is the Messiah, the Christos, the the good shepherd, the one that they had been awaiting for. That's not in this story. This host wants Jesus at his party, invited Jesus to his dinner party. Why? Because Jesus is a celebrity. Everybody at that time was talking about Jesus. We know that he's the Messiah, we know that He is the Son of God. We know that He is God Himself in flesh. We know that, but this guy didn't think any of that. They were just really having this big, impressive sort of party. This, this time where, where um, there were going to be all these people, and these fancy people here. In fact, in verse 37, we read that, and then there was a woman in town who heard that Jesus was there. So imagine that. Let's imagine that there's a, there's a, a big, nice house here in town, and there's a party there. And you find out that there's all these celebrities going to be there, like Chris Evans, and, and not me, the real Chris Evans, or something like that. You know, you find out that there's big celebrities there. That there's big, that's what's going on. That's who this guy is. The next person to be introduced in the story is Jesus. It's just a one line. If you read it through, and, and Jesus was there, reclining at the table. Just this one little side mention of the guy Jesus, and Luke does that in... Um, uh, um, on purpose. Luke does that on purpose to sort of get the idea of the story to you. You want to really see this this host. Then you want to be distracted by this woman, but you got to keep in mind that Jesus is there. Luke sidelines him just for a little bit to show you what is actually happening in the story. But if you're reading along in Luke, you can't really dismiss Jesus, right? If you're reading along at this point in Luke, Luke has already told us that he has healed people, that he has cast out demons, that wherever he goes, huge crowds are there. This is like the Beatles, all right? When he shows up, uh, people are everywhere, farther than you can possibly see, right? This is a huge celebrity. I love the way that Luke just kind of says, and Jesus was reclining at the table. Listen, if you really read that theologically, if you read that with the, with the mindset of Luke this far in the story, it sounds almost like there's a bomb planted at this party. Luke is saying this, there was a party of a very important religious leader at his house. And, by the way, Jesus is sitting at the table. It's like a bomb has been placed in the middle of this story, and we're just waiting as we read it to see what happens when the fuse is lit. Well, that's exactly what happens in the next character. There's a woman there. And that is sort of shocking to their culture. It was a little out of place that a whole story would be focused on a woman. But in particular, she was called a sinner. Now, it doesn't say what kind of sinner she is. And, and, and we, should, we should kind of explore that just a little bit. In their culture and in that time, you could be called a sinner just for your job. Remember when he called uh, Levi or Matthew, when Jesus called Levi or Matthew to follow him? We talked about that a little while ago. And they would always refer to tax collectors and sinners. Just because he was a tax collector, he was considered a sinner. Leather tanners were considered sinners. There were all kinds of professions in which you could be considered a sinner. But... The story, when Jesus dialogues a little bit there, all focuses on immorality or morals and and being forgiven of a great debt and, and her sins have been forgiven. So the reality here is that she is probably a sinner by action, by some immoral action that she has taken, not by the job that she occupies. To be just completely blunt, she's probably a prostitute. That's probably what she is. And she is known for this sin. Everybody knows this. In fact, um, the Pharisee, the good religious leaders know this, and they are wondering why Jesus doesn't know this. She is a, she is a very famous sinner in their little community. I think that she is broken for her sin. That's where her tears come from. She knows that she is broken, and she has come to Jesus to be healed. She has come to Jesus to be um, freed from this sin. Those are the three characters, the host, Jesus, and the woman. Now, working backwards, let's see what they do. Working backwards, the woman. First of all, I want to point this out. It wasn't odd that she was there we read the story and we think that she crashes the the party, right? She hears about Jesus. She just self-invites herself into this party. She's going to go there. and, And it was weird that it wasn't odd. Anytime in that culture that a rabbi, a very famous teacher was in town, maybe he was at a dinner party, it was okay for anybody to just show up and listen. They weren't going to eat. They weren't reclining at the table, but they were sitting back all around the edges of the table, or all around the edges of the room, listening to the conversation. So that's, it wasn't odd that she was there. Anybody could have done that, and that's in fact why she is, if you picture the table low to the ground, Jesus reclining there at the table, other people all around, the Pharisee, he's sitting over there, he's the host, or something like that, and Jesus's legs are off this way, then um, this woman standing along the edge that's why she's back here that's why her tears as she's crying are falling on his feet okay it's not as um, awkward I think it does get awkward and that's okay but it's not as awkward at first if you just picture that Jesus is sitting here and he's talking about the things that Jesus talks about which are what sinners are loved by God that they're forgiven by God that he loves people and values them and she's so moved by that that she begins to, to cry and then she, she, she bends down and she wipes his feet because her tears have now fallen on his It's not as awkward and it's not as weird and it's not a bad thing that is, she is supposed to be there. I think it is his teaching that causes her to cry. I think it is deep respect that causes her to kiss his feet. That's, that's what Jesus is getting at when he tells the man, you didn't even kiss me. You know, um, in the cultures where where you'll kiss both cheeks. That's what Jesus is talking about in that setting. And Jesus says, you didn't even greet me that way, and she is kissing my feet, showing her deep respect. This is what the woman does. There's a lot made of the alabaster jar and, and the perfume that's there. The, the point is not necessarily the kind of perfume or the kind of jar. You can get into that, and, and maybe if you did some study this week, you could understand a lot of that. But the point really is that it was just expensive, and it was probably everything that she had. This woman is broken by her sin, is hopeful about Jesus, and is sacrificing anything that she could in order to be close to Jesus. Have you ever been that broken by your actions? Have you ever been so confronted by your sin? Maybe you got caught doing something that you should not have done. Or maybe you are just uh, exposed for hiding something maybe you said something something that was in your heart came out in such a way that you were broken by it and you feel you feel like like garbage you feel broken you feel humiliated you feel sad you are grieved there's some person that you took advantage of and all of a sudden you lived your life as though they would always be there and now you're looking at that afraid that you're going to lose that person because they mean so much to you have you ever been broken like that Have you ever been set? Have you ever lost sleep thinking that everything is going to crumble? Everything is going to fall because of some dumb I did. That's where this woman is. That's where she is sitting. That's what Jesus speaks into. And so moving again backwards, we're going from the woman, we're going to Jesus. Jesus speaks up as he often does. The host and the friends are thinking bad of her and they are thinking bad of Jesus. They thought if Jesus was really what people think he is, then he would know. And Jesus responds in a very kind and a gracious way. He says, Simon, I've got, I've got something to, to tell you. And Simon says, okay, go ahead. He tells that story. He says, there's two people that owe a debt. One a lot, one not that much. Both are forgiven. Who would love more? Simon goes, I mean, I guess. I, I see a little sarcasm in that answer. Everybody knows. Everybody's sitting around, of course. The one who got forgiven more. And he goes, I suppose the one who got forgiven more. Jesus says, you've answered exactly correct." It was this beautiful way for Jesus to... Did you notice this? Jesus speaks up on her behalf. They were thinking bad of her. They thought she was that kind of woman. She's a sinner. She's worthless. And Jesus speaks up. He doesn't sit there quietly. He goes ahead and he speaks into that situation. It's direct and it's gracious. He does so in a way that puts Simon in his place without humiliating Simon at his dinner table. It's respectful and it's kind. And I want to hold on to that for just a minute, but I do want to point out the obvious example that Jesus gives us here. Jesus does not let bullies be bullies, but he doesn't bully back. He strikes this really gracious and kind uh, balance in which Jesus is able to speak truth to power without being disrespectful. He's able to stand for what is right without being wrong in the way that he does it. It's a beautiful thing that is very hard to do, and Jesus does it. We go from the lady, to Jesus, to the host. We now know his name is Simon, because Jesus has said it. And he wasn't just, um, and it wasn't just what he did. It was obviously, in this story, what he didn't do. In verse 44 through 46, Jesus points out the three things. You didn't give me water. Now, the water was uh, the washing of the feet, They they walked around with sandals, what we would call sandals. Um, They didn't have flip-flops, but just picture flip-flops. And these roads are dirty and dusty. They didn't have plumbing, and so a lot of times uh, uh, the, the waste, the human waste that was collected would be just thrown out into the street. Animals um, would, would leave droppings out through the streets. And this is what you're going to walk through all day long in open-toe shoes. And so when you go into somebody's house, and you're going to eat at their table, which means you're going to lay down and put your feet off in this direction, right? And there's going to be somebody else over here and somebody else over here. Wouldn't everybody want everybody's feet to be somewhat clean, right? You want those clean. And Jesus says, you didn't give me any water. You didn't give me any water for my feet. He says, you didn't kiss me. It was just a greeting. And so I like, I like shaking hands. All right. I'll be honest with you. I like shaking hands. I like hugging. I like all of that. And when we're past the virus and things, there's a lot of people that said um, the virus killed shaking hands. And I think that's just people that don't like shaking hands. I think we're going to go back to shaking hands. I also like this whole, like, um, knuckles or or pounded or or whatever you call it, you know, like a a fist pound, whatever. I like that. I like that. I've noticed some of the people in our church they're giving what I call Planet of the Apes knuckles. It's just kind of like, you just kind of barely touch, you know, hands like that. I like that too. I think that's cool. I like those movies. I also like just there's like this, I don't know, there's just symbolism to the whole thing. It's like, hey friends Caesar. you know, stuff like that and so, I like that. That all is the same as what Jesus is talking about, the kiss there. It's not Jesus wanted him to kiss him. It's just that Jesus was saying, you didn't even greet me. You didn't even greet me. And you didn't put any oil on my head, any olive oil on my head. This is just another sign of extreme respect. I think Jesus is sort of implying like, you invited me here because you think I'm like a big celebrity, but then you just, you just sidelined me. You didn't even treat me well. You remember Psalms 23 verse 5? That you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. It's this deep sign of respect. Could you imagine going to somebody's house? They invited you over, you get there, you knock on the door, they don't open the door. So you let yourself in, they're just sitting there watching TV, they grunt at you, they don't give you a drink of water, they don't ask you how you're doing, nothing like that, you just sit down. Could you imagine how odd that would be? That's what Jesus is pointing out here. Jesus is pushed to the edges. What becomes so painfully obvious is that this man only invited Jesus because he believed he was a celebrity preacher to boost his own ego, his own platform, his own reputation. I'm sure that you have felt this way before, right? You've been sidelined. You've been pushed to the side. You've been pushed to the edge. You are too young. You are too woman. You are too man. You are too black to contribute. You are too white to understand. You are too neither of those to even be considered. You are too old to be included. I think Satan in our current culture and I think Satan in our current setting is constantly making us sideline one another or feel as though we have been sidelined. Jesus understands that. Jesus was sidelined. People do it, and it's tragic. People do intentionally push other people aside because of their gender or because of their race. People do that, and it's tragic. Also, it's equally tragic when we feel like it's happening, even though it's not happening. It's deli- or it is debilitating. And in all of those settings, that's what was happening to Jesus. He's just pushed off to the side. Shut up, preacher boy. Just make us laugh. You just sit there and talk to us. All of this is a problem because everything was out of order. Everything was going wrong at this dinner party because it was out of order. The whole thing, the people, are all pushed in different directions when everybody should be respected. Simon was the most important person in the room. Just ask Simon. Simon, he'll tell you how important that he was. This lack of order is something that we've experienced. It's also something that we've experienced on both sides. We have all been in situations to our own demise and to our own shame in which we feel we are the most important person in the room. Like, you, know, you maybe wouldn't say that out loud, but you want to invite everybody over to your house just, just for a little get-together. Oh, by the way, look at the new pool that I put in. You know, that sort of situation. There's nothing wrong with that. If you put in a new pool, I'd love to come to your house later, but that's just a side note. All I'm saying is that we sometimes build things around us we build our social media presence. We build our careers. We, br- we build conversations. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and the conversation always turns towards something that they are a victim of or something that they just recently accomplished? We build conversations and parties and have. We've all been on this side where we sideline others. We've all been on this side of this I- issue where we've been neglected, where we've been pushed to the side, where you don't matter. And you can feel it in the conversation, you can feel it in the room. You may be invited to speak or or, or to be in a room where decisions are gonna be made, but you are put in there just to be um, seen and not heard. You may be in all sorts of situations where you feel neglected or you feel arrogant, and both of these results. Both of these situations result in the same thing a lack of peace. There's just unrest in the relationships, there's unrest in the situation. Think about how awkward this dinner was. Can y'all think of that? Let's just say you're not Simon, you're not Jesus, you're not that lady. You're just one of the guys that stood over the side and heard that there was going to be a party. And so you're just standing there, and halfway through you're going, this is so awkward, all right? She keeps crying. He's talking in some weird story about debtors. I thought this was a spiritual thing. I think it's a financial seminar. They might make me sign up for something. I think that one just called that guy out. Am I allowed to have one of these roles? The whole thing is just awkward. There's a lack of peace that is going on. But there's a solution. There's a remedy. It's just to put things in order. And guess who did that? The woman did. She was the only, Jesus was the only thing that mattered to her. She heard that he was there, and she went there to get to Jesus, to listen to Jesus, to face potential embarrassment, no matter the cost, expensive oil or salty tears, humbled before the king of kings. She knew who he was, and she responded the way that we all should, that he is the most important person in the room. And then there's love. You can see that very clearly. We've got to get things in order, and the thing that gets things in order is the love of Christ, If you look in verse 47, when he says to Simon, her sins have been forgiven, that's why she loves. That God has displayed love for her, so she responds in love back. This is what John says when he says, we love because we were first loved. This is what Paul says, when while we were still sinners, like she is, Christ died for us. I'm amazed at the way that Jesus is even willing to be and able to show Simon love. Simon's rude Simon's arrogant Simon's mean and even in this story Jesus is sitting at his table and respecting that person Jesus just oozes love and that's what gets things in the right order Simon loved himself but Jesus loved the sinner and she loved him back see that all comes when we put things in the right order when we make Jesus the center of our world we see the way it should be we get everything in its place. We are made right. We, put, we pull Jesus off the shelf and put him back into the center. And that last line of the last verse in verse 50 is so important. When you read that last verse, it says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus told her that she was forgiven of her sins, made right with God, not because of the oil that she spilt, not the tears that she cried, or the humility she showed, but because all of that was based on her faith. She believed Jesus is who he said he was. The same is open for you. If you believe that Jesus is Christ, he is the Messiah, if you put him back into the center of your world, if you remove yourself like Simon did and put him in the middle, then you will be saved. Your faith will save you. Save you from what? From a life without Jesus. From an eternity in hell. From a life without purpose. From a a life that is built around your own successes and comfort and peace and built towards what really matters, Jesus. And he says, those last words, listen to him say them. Go in peace. He said to the woman, go in peace. All of that pain that she brought in there, all of the isolation and messed up life, all of that perspective where she was worthless and not to be loved, all of that was resolved and forgiven by Jesus. So what was left? Once she made Jesus the center of her world and believed in him, she left with peace. She didn't have any more oil, but she had peace but the implication is this that all of that turmoil in the heart of the host all of that striving to use other people to make him feel valued all of that meanness and the talking down to women and to use Jesus as a prop was still there unless simon repented and believed jesus when jesus left the party he left simon in the same simon in the same chaotic state he was in when jesus arrived and reclined at his table. Put Jesus in the center and you get peace. So it snowed this last week. Did y'all notice? raise your hand if you did not get snow at your house because we have tons of it and you can you can take it home. There's a lot of snow and and being from Texas I I lived the most of my life in Texas but my childhood was in southern Mississippi and people will often say what part of southern Mississippi and I said Gulfport. You cannot get more southern than southern Mississippi. There's just water on the other edge of that and so I grew up there and then most of my life in Texas I have never seen, I don't believe I've ever seen two inches of snow let alone what happened over this last week And I thoroughly enjoyed it I thought it was fun, I thought it was beautiful I thought there was a lot of aspects of it that were just really cool All right, And so I enjoyed all of that But I just kept looking out the window and going Man this is a lot of snow Anybody else feel that way? You're looking, this is a lot of snow. And then you say it and it gets to the point where you're just being ridiculous, but it just kept coming. There was just more snow and more snow and more snow. This was so much snow. This was so much snow that even our Coloradan friends were like, yeah, that's actual snow. You know, because normally they're like, "Huh, ah, you think that's snow? <laughs> you think that's a mountain? You know, and we're like, ah, hush. You know, that sort of stuff. So even our Coloradan friends were like, yeah, that's a ton of snow. Y'all got real snow this time. But there's just so much snow. And you go outside and you step in, and you're like, whoa, look how much snow! What I really felt it was a lot of snow is when um, some of the men in our church, they, the, like uh, our chairman deacons, uh, Phil, and our buildings and grounds crew, or our facilities team, Eddie, and, and Dick, they, they they scheduled this time where we came up here, and we were going to shovel the snow off of the sidewalks, and they were going to use tractors out there. They acted like they were serving the Lord, but really they just wanted to play in the tractors. But they came up here and all that kind of stuff, and as we start to shovel this snow, I just kept thinking to myself, this is so much it's snow this is crazy this is so much stuff i was getting all cold and and everything was hurting you know and um i think that these men as they came up here i noticed that they came up here for a number of reasons right they came up here because um it needed to be done they came up here because there were donuts and there was tractors and so they came up here to serve in that way some of them were thinking of you those of you who are in the room right now Those of you who could have possibly been in the room, they were thinking of you. They wanted to make sure that everything was good, that there was not a risk of falling or or slipping. They were considering you. They weren't really—think about this. None of them were necessarily considering themselves. They all got here safely, and they all walked around in it and shoveled it just fine. It wasn't for them. It was for you. They were working under those circumstances for you. There was another name. There was another name that I heard specifically. Over and over, as you were talking to people, we got to get this cleared. They kept saying, D. Lawrence. D. Lawrence was one of the big names that caused all those guys to come up here and to make sure that our campus was clean. D. Lawrence was a member of our church, but he passed away on February 12th. He went to be with Jesus, and today, this afternoon, his funeral service, his, his, his um, home-going service, his celebration will be right here in this room at 3 o'clock. He lived a faithful life, and then he went home. Home, home. He served Jesus and was famous for his cooking. In fact, he was a member here at Second Baptist for 51 years. We're going to celebrate his life today. A number of the guys who were up here shoveling snow, they were all shoveling snow. Most of them were shoveling snow. And they kept thinking of LaVon, which is Dee's wife, and Dee. They were getting the campus ready for Dee. Shoveling that snow was cold. My toes were freezing. I don't have um, snow boots. There's no snow boots in Dallas. I don't have snow boots. Uh, My toes were cold. Everything about me. And it was hard. My back was hurting. I was, I was uh, texting one of the deacons, and I won't tell you his name because of his response, but I, I was texting him, and I said something about, man, I woke up the next day, and my back was killing me. I'm getting old. And um, you know what Phil said back to me? <laughs> he said, out of shape maybe, but definitely not old. And if that wasn't God's honest truth, then I'd be really upset about it, you know? But, but man, my back was hurting badly. Bad, You know, it was hurting bad. All of that was hurt. It was cold and it was hard. But if you're doing it for someone else, if you're shoveling snow for D, then it's not that cold. It's not that hard, right? If you're shoveling snow for somebody else, for your spouse, for your church family, for the second family, it's not cold. It's not hard. Same thing goes for every other aspect of your life. If you live your life for yourself, things get hard And really, to be honest with you, they're pointless. But if you live your life for somebody else, like Jesus, if you smoke meats for your life so that thousands and thousands of men can hear the gospel message, then it's not that cold. It's not that hard. If you serve in the children's ministry, if you lead worship, if you make sure that even if it might cause a little embarrassment and cost you every bit of your perfume, that other people can hear about Jesus then it's not that cold. It's not that hard. See, here's the point of the story and the thing that we got to walk away here today is make Jesus the main thing. Put Him in the middle and the result is peace. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.